This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Tuesday where not a whole lot is going to happen because it's a Tuesday and we don't play till Thursday. Uh, we are past the Luton game. There's no point in rehashing it. We all know what happened. We all know where we fell short. And we all know that those standards will have to go up again. We all know that Darwin will have better days in front of goal. Mo will have better days in front of goal because that's what Mo does. The midfield will not play that badly again. Hopefully we get Curtis back quite soon. As I talked about yesterday, I just the concern I have is over the vice captain at the moment. But I have complete faith in him to turn it around, start putting in a higher level of defensive effort. And the on-ball stuff will, will come because he's too good on the ball for it not to. Even, even in that game against Luton, he did play some spectacular passes and a couple of great crosses. I'd just like to see him in those wider areas more often to take advantage of that incredible delivery. Uh, But for today, I thought we'd go with a slightly controversial opinion. Michael Owen was better than both Robbie Fowler and Fernando Torres. I always see people do these lists of the best strikers they've seen play for us. And obviously a lot of people will put Rush number one, I would put Suarez number one with Rush number two in terms of best. Obviously, Rush's goal record is unbelievable and Suarez is only at the club for a shorter time. But a lot of the debate then falls over Owen, Fowler and Torres and I routinely see Owen listed third among those three. And I don't really know why. I get that recency bias pushes Nando up on people's lists. But 
he only had one really outstanding season, which was the first season. Because in years two and three, he was actually, to be fair to him, to be fair to him, 09-10, he gets 18 and 22 in the league. But we're awful. We're a poor team. He gets 22 and 32 in all competitions. In 08-09, he misses 14 league games, scores 14 league goals. Wasn't a great season from him. Was heavily disrupted by injuries. And if we'd had him fully fit, we may well have won the league. The injuries hit hit him hard, though. Like, he plays 33 league games the first season, then 24, then 22. That first season, he's 24 goals in the league, 33 in all competitions. He doesn't sniff those numbers again. It's 14 and 24, 17 and 38 in that second season. 18 and 22 is a really good league return, obviously. 22 and 32. It's just the injuries. He's missing so many games. We're playing 45 to 50 games each of those seasons because we're having deep runs in Europe. And obviously we had some decent enough cup runs. Then that final season, 23 games, nine goals, leaves in the January, nine and 26 in all competitions. He wasn't the same player. After the 2010 World Cup, <clears throat> which he played th- played out through injury, he just wasn't the same player. We obviously sold him to Chelsea and he didn't do very well there. Though in 12-13, he did score 22 goals in 64 games. He managed to stay a lot fitter after he had the knee issues than he ever did beforehand because he couldn't sprint as much. He didn't have that burst of pace, so he didn't pick up the muscle injuries. And Torres was great. In Torres's peak, he was probably the best nine in the world for about a year. But he was only at the club three and a half years. And I feel like his best level was below Owen's best level. Fowler was a machine. 12 and 28 in his first season in the league. He's only a kid, 17. 18 and 34 in all competitions. And then he was just off to the races. 25 and 42, which was 31 and 57 in all competitions. 42 league games as well. Playing every pretty much every minute at 18. 28 and 38 the next season, 36 and 53 in all competitions. And then he starts to have the injury problems. 18 and 32 in in the league, 31 in 44 in all competitions. Still an elite goal scorer, but he's missing some games now. Then it drops to 9 and 20, misses a chunk of the season. 13 and 28 in all competitions. Following year, 14 in 25, 18 and 35 in all competitions. 99-2000, 3 in 14. That's it across the board. Doesn't play outside of the league. 2000-2001, the year we win the treble. He gets 8 and 27 in the league, but he plays a big part in the European run. Only scores one goal in the European run. 
but plays 11 games. He's outstanding in the League Cup with five, with six goals in five games, ends the season with 17 in 48. And then his last season is 0-1-0-2, scores four in 17, and then he gets shipped off to Leeds. He obviously came back under Rafa, five in 16 in the half season after he arrived back, and then seven in 23 the next year. But his peak, again, is sort of those first four years from 17 to 21. And he's, he's incredible. He's, a, he's such a great goal scorer. And he can score all type of goals with, all, with both feet. He has that inventiveness. He has that creativity to his finishing. At this point, he's been compared to Jimmy Greaves. But the injuries hit in so early with him. The reason I go with Owen, I think I think Fowler is quite a distance clear of Torres overall in terms of what he did for us personally. But the reason I go for Owen over Fowler is when he came into the team first, I genuinely think he was what Mbappe was before his hamstring exploded. And then even after it, because if you look at his numbers, he comes in at the end of the 96-97 season, scores, plays two games, scores one goal against Wimbledon. And then the next season, he's just in the team. 18-36 and 36 in the league, 23-44 and 44 in all competitions. 18-30 and 30 the next season, 23-40 in all competitions. Then the next year he has injury issues, 11 and 27 in the league, 12 and 30 in all competitions. But then he starts to to really become a world-class poacher who, because beforehand, so many of his goals were these spectacular goals where he'd either use his pace to burn in behind defenders or he could drop off, pick the ball up, beat two or three in a dribble and score. Like he was so hard for defenders to deal with because of his pace, because he was so small. Like what was on five eight, five nine, five eight. Like any little contact with him, and he was over because he was small and moving so quickly. So he was a nightmare to deal with. None of the defenders of that era enjoyed playing against this version of Michael Owen. Afterwards, when his pace wasn't quite there because he had to be very careful as and when he used it, because for whatever reason, the decision was made not to have the surgery he needed on his hamstring. He comes back, he's 16 and 28 in the league, 24 and 46 in all competitions. Then he's 19 and 29, 28 in 43 in all competitions. 19 and 35, 28 and 54 in all competitions. And then his last season, uh, which is Julier's last season, he is 16 and 29 and 19 in 38 in all competitions. And people will say, well, he never hit, he never hit 20 in a league season. And the others did. I mean, Fowler did it twice. Torres did it once. Owen didn't do it. And that's fair. But, you have to factor in what the league was like at that point. Michael Owen 
won the Golden Boot in 97, 98, and 98, 99, scoring 18 goals in both seasons. And remember, he's, you know, 19, 20 at the end of each of those seasons. Fowler played in a couple of seasons where there was just a lot more goals scored. Fowler doesn't have a golden boot. Torres doesn't have a golden boot. It's about the season, the individual season. Who was doing what? Fowler was scoring those goals. So was Alan Shearer. So was Andy Cole. When Owen was doing it, the league had gotten better defensively. There was less games as well. And he, because of the injuries, he missed opportunities to go into double, into the, the 20 kind of region. Like the, the treble season, 16 goals, but he missed 10 games. He was on track for 20 a season. The next year, 19, but he missed nine games. He easily passes 20. Even in 02, 03, again, it's 19, but he misses three games. He's scoring better than one and two. He would have got there. But I just think his all-round game and the level he hit, like, this guy won the Ballon d'Or playing for us. And it's, it's so often overlooked how special he was in that treble season. The goals don't blow you away. 24 in 46 in all competitions. But his all-round play in those games that year, he was just outstanding, whether it was up front with Owen or with, with, with Fowler or up front with Heskey or up front by himself. He was he was so special. And the, the combination of him and Gerard, as good as Gerard and Torres were, I think Gerard and Ohm were even better because they just seemed to have this understanding between them of where Owen would make the run that Gerard would want him to make and Gerard would just put the ball right into his path. And that ball from sort of halfway line out on the right, because Gerard largely played on the right back then under Julier just bending in sort of behind the left side centre-back into that channel between left-back and left-side centre-back, but bending central. And Owen moving from our left across to meet that ball. First time finish every time. And we scored five to six goals a lot of seasons because of just that singular pass, let alone anything else. Owen did work better with Heskey and Fowler worked better with Heskey. They didn't work all that well together for whatever reason. Both of them, I suppose if Owen hadn't had the injuries, if Owen's hamstring hadn't exploded, I think that partnership, Owen and Fowler would have worked very well. But like Robbie had such bad injury problems as well. We've we've been really unfortunate. Like we've had great strikers. If you think of it, we had Rush. Well, we had Toshak, then Rush, then Aldridge, then Rush, then Fowler, the brief stint of Collymore, 
Owen, Torres. We had a gap where we didn't have a great striker between Owen and Torres. We had Cissé, we had Crouch, the failed Dirk Cout as a nine era before he got shifted out to the wing. That little spell was a little bit barren. But then it's Torres, Suarez. There's a horrible year without, and then there's Bobby. Like we've only had probably three seasons in the last 50 years. And because even before Toshak, you had St. John and Hunt. So you've got to go back to pre Roger Hunt at Liverpool. There's only probably been three seasons where we didn't have a great number nine. And now obviously we've got Darwin. But there's only about three seasons where we didn't have this 0506, 0607, and 1450, where we didn't have a great number nine since before Roger Hunt came to the club. That's ridiculous. But Owen, injury problems. Fowler, injury problems. Collymore, mental health issues. Torres, injury problems. We were just really unlucky. Really, really unlucky because we had these great players and we didn't get the best out of them because of injuries or whatever else. But I think, for me, I would always take Michael Owen as the best of the three. I would take Owen over Rooney as a teenager, what they were, the level they were both at. And everyone remembers how special Rooney was. But if you look at Rooney's teenage years and look at Owen's teenage years, there's no comparison between them. Owen had injuries. And the bigger issue with Owen that I think a lot of people hold against him is there was always the feeling that he was England's Michael Owen. After his exploits in 1998, he was very much the poster boy for England, him and Beckham. And then obviously Beckham's shine was damaged by descending off against Argentina, whereas Owen scored those goals against Argentina. Owen was also quite a big brand back then. Like, Owen did really well with endorsement deals back then. Whereas if you think of, like, Fowler, Fowler was, like, a proper scouser. Fowler was Liverpool's Robbie Fowler. Owen was always England's Michael Owen. Even before he broke into the Liverpool team, when he was playing for the England schoolboys and just was ridiculously ahead of everybody else, so much better than everyone else he was playing against. And I think that and how he left are held against him. And he's a little bit of an unlikable personality, which is harsh, but he doesn't doesn't do himself any favours. Like He can just come across as a bit of a plonker. Whereas Fowler comes across as a very likable guy, very relatable. Owen doesn't so much. But I found it really interesting listening to Owen talk about his career on BT one time. And he was talking about how, because he'd had so many injuries, 
he was always just terrified of what the next one would be and the muscular issues that he was having and not being able to turn and sprint in behind. Whereas prior to that, he had been. It'll always annoy me that we didn't get, like we had a spell. Fowler obviously came through earlier and so did Steve McManam and another one who's not held in the regard that he should be. If you look at those those lads that came through our academy, because we always talk about, you know, isn't it great to have Trent and, and Curtis and there's all these other players starting to appear now from the academy. <clears throat> McManaman makes his debut in 1990. Fowler then comes along in 93. Owen in 96. We get Carragher, who appears through, was it 97? 96 as well, to be fair. And then, of course, to Stevie. We had all of those lads come through our academy in eight years. And we didn't get to maximize them together at all, really. I'd love to know how many games they played in together because Gerard's first season was 98-99. He plays 13 games. Well, that's McManaman's last season with us. He plays 24 games. I'd love to know how many games they played together and how many of those games did Carragher... Carragher played fairly regularly that season, so Carragher would have played a lot with both. Owen played, Fowler played fairly regularly, played 35 games. And Owen played 30. So there's definitely games that they played together, but how many? How many is the question for me? Because Jared only played the 13 in all competitions. How many games did those five play together? Because that, even though they didn't come through the way the United crowd did, that for me... That's a more talented group of players than the, than the class of 92, which is really three great players. The, the two Nevilles and Nicky Butt were good, but never great. Like Carragher was a better player than all three of those. I would take Gerard over any of them. I would take Owen over any of them. I'd take McManaman over any of them. And I'd take Fowler over any of them, if not for the injuries. The other big thing with them was they could stay fit. I'm just thinking maybe I should have made that my controversial opinion for today. That Owen McManam and Fowler, Carragher and Gerrard was a more talented group than the class of 92. Because I, I absolutely think it was. Again, they didn't come through together. There's eight years between when McManaman appears and when Gerrard appears. And we like we get at most 13 games of them playing together. But what a group that could have been. Like, if we could have kept that group together. I know McManaman wanted to go, but, like, he was only 27 when he went to Real. So he was in his prime. And he had multiple seasons as the best player in the league. Owen would go on to be the best player in Europe for a year. Fowler was the ultimate goal scorer. 
Gerard was an all-encompassing everything. And Carragher obviously had a very, very long and illustrious career for us as a very, very reliable defender. But if we could have built around those, Gerard right side, Maka left side, Onan Fowler through the middle, Carragher at centre back. What might have been in those years under Julier if McManaman had been willing to stay and if the other two had stayed injury free? Um, anyway, uh, Luis Diaz's father could be released in the next few hours as the Colombian military withdraw from the region where he's been held. Why Darwin Nunes still cannot escape the hit or miss narrative and why Jurgen Klopp must avoid calendar pitfalls to keep Liverpool on track. Those are the lead stories today on This Is Anfield. On Liverpool.com, there is a piece about Andre. There is a piece about Ibu, one about Darwin. Another piece about Diaz, a piece about Sepp Vandenberg, who's doing quite well uh, statistically at Mines, despite the fact that Mines are garbage and hopefully will get relegated this season. Um, There's a piece about Endo, piece about Harry Kane for some reason, piece about Alexis, and then there's a piece about the statement that Luton uh, released regarding their fans and their chants. Uh, The statement, if you haven't seen it, the statement is hilarious in many ways. Let's see if we can pull it up here. It starts off like a match report. So, club statement, inappropriate chanting. Now, again, like a match report written by a fan, not by a professional. Luton Town is saddened by reports of inappropriate chanting towards Liverpool supporters during yesterday's Premier League fixture at Kenilworth Road. The atmosphere inside the stadium was electric from the most part of a pulsating game in which Rob Edwards' side came close to pulling off one of the results of the season. Like, that's not relevant at all to the fact that your fans are a terrible gang of lads. Uh, while we do not wish to dampen the atmosphere at our home ground in any way, we are extremely disappointed that a small number of supporters soured the occasion with chants that may have been that may be interpreted as being in relation to the tragedies that have affected Liverpool in the past. May be interpreted. <laughs> such a load of bullshit the club condemns any kind of chanting that knowingly seeks to divide and our safety and security team launched an internal investigation at the earliest opportunity it gets better what has quickly become evident is that a number of people may have taken part without knowledge that the words used were in relation to the Hillsborough and Heisel tragedies I hate when they do this because it's not just them this is the common excuse everyone knows that those chants are in relation to Hillsborough everyone knows 
And then there's the other chant in relation to Heisel, which you hear a lot less. Largely, you hear it from the blues. But everyone knows that the always the victims chant is in relation to Hillsborough. Everyone knows. So this idea that a number of people may have taken part without knowledge, like, do me a favor. That is utter, utter bullshit. It's bullshit to say that it was a small number of people because it was clearly the majority. It's bullshit to say that they didn't know what they were saying. Oh, peer pressure. They just got carried along. Bollocks. Utter bollocks. And yet there's also no mention of them chanting feed the Scousers. And and no education for their fans on the fact that there's far more poverty in Luton than there is in the city of Liverpool. So, you know, what a, just a dreadful, dreadful gang of lads all together. We will look forward to their relegation. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, there is a piece about Daniel Sturridge's analysis on Darwin Nunes last night. I'm sure Sky will put that all up on their YouTube. So make sure you give that a listen. Uh, there's a piece about Virgil. Uh, a piece about Liverpool away. Luton saying they'll ban fans guilty. They won't, though. Uh, David Lynch has said Max Eberle is 100% on Liverpool's radar, which is uh, very good news. I believe sporting CEO um, to replace Mike Gordon, not so much a director of football. He would be over the director of football, running the entire football side of things, basically on a par with Billy Hogan, who'd run the business side. Uh, Podcast-wise, we do have some new stuff. There is Media Matters Special on Luton with David Lynch. There is the Pro Plus Red Alert, Dave Davis um, with Mark Evans and James McKean. And there is a new Liver Birds pod out as well to discuss the Luton game, Luis Diaz and everything else going on. So do check out all of those. Uh, there's also a couple of other articles that are worth reading. One about Florian Verts, one about Andre, and one about Ezekiel Fernandez, who, for me, I, I think he would be ideal. I think he's really, really good and fits really well with what we're looking for. So, yeah, give all that a read, give all that a listen, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Michael Owen was better than Fowler and Torres. There you go. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.